All right. Morning in Las Vegas. It is Mother's Day. And just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We are here live every Sunday morning, 8 to 9 o'clock on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, happy Mother's Day. I, I guess I shouldn't say that to you. I'm actually saying it to myself. It is my first Mother's Day of being a grandfather. I want to wish happy Mother's Day to my daughter out there, to all the mothers out there in Las Vegas. Um, great morning, beautiful day outside, and everyone's probably getting up, getting ready for brunch, and I still got to pick up a Mother's Day gift. But, hey, listen, we are coming to you live tonight from, uh, I should say this morning, from Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, which is just down the road from Cashman Center and the Neon Boneyard. The address is 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard. Kickers has been and will continue to be our home until further notice uh due to COVID 19 protocol all live shows has been have been booted from the fox sports residential bank corp studio uh, so if, hey if you're up and mobile come on down and join us we'll hook you up with some free orange juice and donuts down here at kickers they've got bloody mary and mimosa specials as well so um definitely come on down and check us out joining me today in place of caleb herring who is uh his schedule got tilted upside down as most of you know right now but um uh, Spencer, the, the Wiz Ostrowski, the only intern in the country with his own theme music. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. So the best place to get a hold of me for uh, delivering sports is go to grabit.com. That's G-R-A-B-E-T.com. Uh, you can usually, you can also catch our past broadcast uh, on there uh, as well. So again, grabit.com, G-R-A-B-E-T.com. And, um, Again, uh, also joining us, it's kind of a privilege today, man. He's social distancing back in the Force Residential Bank Corp studio this morning. But we are honored to have the one and only Doug Douglas, uh, the acting sports program director at Lotus Broadcast right now. And among many other hats that the guy wears in the press box at T-Mobile Arena for all Vegas Golden Knights home games. And um, he's got that wonderful task of trying to pronounce everyone's name. Of all the leagues, uh, the National Hockey League has to be the most difficult to pronounce names. And Doug does a great job. Uh, you can tell he definitely does his due diligence before the Vegas Golden Knights game. Hopefully we're going to try to have Doug on if I can hear him and stuff. We have some issues here once in a while with our internet, but uh, we'll check it out. Um, also, speaking of that, you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter, um, and that's at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio Line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Yeah, What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Whether you're refinancing the home you currently own or you're looking to purchase a new home, give us a call at Residential Bank Corp, 702-964-5720. Again, financing, uh, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And right now, offering $2,500 in closing costs, towards your closing costs for any purchase that you make in any program you qualify as long as it's in the state of Nevada. But on tap, uh, hats were on the ice last night at T-Mobile Arena for a Vegas Golden Knights original team member. Really cool. His first ever hat trick. We'll talk about that. And the Vegas Golden Knights right now, four points up on their number one rival, the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, as a matter of fact, they play them tomorrow night again. We'll talk all about that. Also, a big fight last night took place in Texas. Um, unifying all belts. We'll talk about that as well. I'm not, uh, I don't know, I, I don't get into boxing like I used to anymore, but it was a big fight, and we'll, uh, we'll bring that up as well. And um, there's a guy who doesn't want to be a quarterback anymore for the team he's been playing for his entire career. We've talked to him a couple of times, and um, some people say he's the best quarterback playing in the NFL right now. I'm not quite sure about that. I think there's some young guns that uh, are a little bit better, but it'll be shocking if this guy doesn't play for his team. We'll talk about that as well. And, of course, Jim Gemma, the media relations director for the Las Vegas Vegas Aviators is going to be our guest. He'll be here at about 8.30, and the Aviators are playing baseball. They haven't played. It's amazing. They build this unbelievable new stadium, the best minor league stadium in all of baseball. I don't think there's a better stadium for minor league for AAA in all of baseball, and um, 
Jim Jem will be here uh, talking about that. They had a pretty good story on Thursday night. One of the players for the team, pretty amazing uh, for the Sacramento Rivercats team they played. But they did finally win one last night. It was an exciting game. Went into extra innings. We'll have Jimmy here to talk about that. And uh, the NBA and the NHL both winding down, getting ready for their playoffs to start very soon. Abbreviated season all around, but that's a crazy world in right now. That is what's on tap. Once again, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America one neighborhood at a time. And before we get going, Spencer, with, uh, you know, with a nightcap, just want to mention once again, Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar. This place is awesome. One of the very few standalone sports bars in downtown Las Vegas, right down the road, as we mentioned, from the Cashman Center and the Neon Boneyard. And uh, both Dylan Reese, Jennifer Metzger do a great job with this place. It is awesome. You can see some of the great, uh, kind of graffitied wall behind us, but they're a Packers bar during football season. They've got the Sunday ticket. They give away Packers bling and paraphernalia and things along those lines. During hockey season, even though it's an intimate atmosphere and eventually they'll open up to a larger capacity crowd about 50 percent capacity right now they also have the nhl package and they show every vegas golden knights game in here for all vegas golden knights games uh it's two dollar shots throughout the game but every time the vegas golden knights score and they've scored a lot of goals this year it's free shots when you're in here last night you would have gotten four of them uh, three of them thanks to a player we're going to talk about in a minute but great place to watch the game they've got 15 big screen tvs 17 gaming uh, machines all active and they even got a photo booth you can come on down here and take a picture but it is just down the road from uh you know everything that's happening downtown and also they're full they've got their uh, their tavern license full service so meaning any beer that they sell here in the bar they can actually sell for you to take home with them as well this place is awesome come on down and check it out if you can't make it down at eight for some of the show like some of the other uh patrons down here definitely come down and check the place out but spencer let's get right to it man the vegas golden knights get to nightcap hockey players as you know are warriors they don't give up they come to play every game it's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. There's Carrier, on a feed on goal, Husso holds, time score! Snap put in front, Colasar was there, and they jammed it over the goal line! Both in St. Louis, first game ever in Vegas for him tonight. Out down low, puck jammed on, Smith scores! On his own rebound! Empty net chance for the open. Natalie scores on a hat trick. Off the post and in for the empty netter and the first hat trick of his career for Riley Smith. Yeah, you know, Spencer, it was so cool. Riley Smith, one of the original Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and to see him get a goal, he was on the magical line that first year. And then if that, even Peter DeBoer has taken over for Gerard Gallant, has kept that line pretty much intact. Uh, they switch it up every now and again. But Jonathan Marchess, O'Reilly Smith, and William Carlson has been one of the best lines in hockey over the past four seasons. The three of them gel real well together. And it was really nice to see Riley Smith last night get his first, first hat trick. The third goal did come on an empty netter when St. Louis was down by two. But... It was so cool. Not a ton of hats on the ice, but a lot of hats on the ice considering you've still got a limited crowd capacity there. I don't know if Doug can hear us back in studio if he's able to join the show or not. But, um, you know, Doug's been watching this team for four years. He's been at just about every home game as he is the press box announcer for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, he's the guy that announces the game in the press box. Doug has his own unique way of doing it, which is really cool. <laughs> but I know he's a big fan as well as most of us are in the media. We're not supposed to admit to that. We're working media but that was incredible and i was so happy for riley smith doug are you able to hear us back there i can hear you back there can you hear me i can, I can hear, hear you no. can you hear me we can hear you doug what was that like man last night seeing riley smith one of the more quiet very humble players for the golden knights although a lot of the guys in this team are pretty humble characters but to see a guy like riley smith get that hat trick last night pretty cool right it was amazing i'll say this First of all, some people, they throw those hats. I'm amazed at how far away they can throw those hats from. It's just amazing that they can soar that much. But it was great. Yeah, Riley Smith, it, it was an empty netter, but who cares? But the biggest game of the year coming up Monday night is if they can win that, they will lock up the Western uh, Conference or Western Division title, and it should be a great game Monday. But, yeah, it is great to see you know the original people doing that. A lot of fun. 
No, it really is. And, you know, that, like I said, that line has been magical for four years. That first year when Carlson got the 41 goals and came out of nowhere, and him and Jonathan Marcheseau, and again, Riley Smith, it was like, you know, I, I don't want to over cliche something, but it was poetry in motion, man. Those three guys just gelled immediately, and somehow that line has stayed intact. As you know, there's been a mix up. A lot of things have changed for the Golden Knights. I mean, to me, they got their, their most valuable player last year when they were able to get, you know, get Mark, Mark Stone, the greatest acquisition. I think this team is made and the most fitting guy to be the first guy to wear a C for this team. Doug, you know, I love what I'm seeing with this Vegas Golden Knights team this year. The one thing that's maybe a little tiny bit bothersome is you have three of the best teams in the NHL in this Western division with the Avalanche and, of course, the Minnesota Wild, and they're going to eliminate each other, which makes it easy on a little bit easier on the rest of the NHL. Yeah, that's true, but that's sports. I mean, you never know from year to year. And I will say this. The Vegas Golden Knights have dominated St. Louis recently, but a lot of those games have gone to overtime, so you're just looking at a puck doing something one way or the other. It should set up for great playoffs, and you know you look at uh, you look at some of the injuries they're getting late. That's what makes you nervous. You look at uh, you know Peyton Krebs, man, he got popped in the face yesterday. We'll see how long he's out for. We'll see how long Ryan Reeves is still out for. Max Pacioretty, Tomas Nosek. It's uh, you need to get those players back uh, mucho pronto. You do. One of the things I've noticed lately, and hey, I loved when they picked up Robin Leonard last year. I said, you know, it's great. It's amazing how instead of upsetting him, like guys like, you know, get upset when their heir apparent comes aboard and everyone said that he's the future of the Vegas Golden Knights, at least the the foreseeable near future, Robin Leonard last year, Marc-Andre Fleury just gets lit up and Tom Brady-esque is he's now into his late 30s, seven concussions deep into a career, and this guy is playing again some of the best hockey of his career. It seems like that's becoming old hacks. I seem to always be saying that. But I think what we've seen, even though the Knights pulled one out in, in overtime at the end of the game when March so scored on Friday night, I still thought two of the goals led up by Leonard were kind of soft. Um, you don't see Marc-Andre Fleury give up very many soft goals. I, I, I just think Marc-Andre Fleury, once again, heading into the postseason, has really put himself and cemented himself, Doug, as the the number one goaltender for this team. I definitely think Leonard will get a, you know get a lot of games. I don't think they're going to play Fleury every night. But I think if you had to ask DeBoer who's his number one goaltender right now, it's got to be Marc-Andre Fleury, right? I would agree. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of rotation they have in the playoffs. You know, it's so benefited the Golden Knights this year to have in this short and condensed season to have the tandem, uh, except when Leonard was injured, of course. But I agree right now, uh, Fleury has to be your number one. I mean, it's uh, he's been outstanding. And you're right, a renaissance year, just like Tom Brady. And let's hope that the uh, results, even though, you know, I can't, I have to be impartial, well, actually, I don't. I, I work for the team. I don't have to be impartial. Let's hope the results can be the same uh, Brady-esque. Well, I don't work for the team in any way, shape, or form. I just do a show on the radio ne- on, the, on the station that houses the radio network. But <laughs> yes. I admit all the time. I mean, I'm from Detroit, and which is called Hockey Town. I tell people, and a lot of my, my friends back in Detroit, they're shocked at how much I like the Golden Knights. But, you know, I had lived here for a while before they came. And it's not like, you know, and, I, and not that I don't like the Raiders being here. I think it's unbelievable for the city. But, you know, they're, they're an adopted franchise where the Vegas Golden Knights were a founded franchise here in Las Vegas. No team in history in any sport anywhere as an expansion team has ever accomplished what the Vegas Golden Knights have accomplished to this point. Once again, they're going to go in the in, into the Stanley Cup playoffs as a team that is expected to do well and if they won the Stanley Cup there's not anyone out there who would be even remotely shocked saying that in itself Doug as a longtime sports fan you've been around the station for a long time this is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen and to come in the wake of September excuse me October 1st of 2017 and watch what not only happened with this hockey team but what happened with this city and the hockey team kind of cemented all it has been one of the most magical historical things I've ever seen in my life and when I tell people all the time I am honored to have had the opportunity to be around this franchise and be able to talk about them on the radio for the last four years it has been one of the most incredible things in my life you know and I'm over a half a century old so that's pretty big Yes, first of all, congratulations on being a grandparent. And secondly, you're 100% right. I grew up being an L.A. Kings fan. 
ag in Southern California. And that did help me get the job because I knew how to pronounce, you know, when they first said, how do you say this name? I'm like, Kachuk. And they're like, okay, well, that's a good start. start you yeah. know? <laughs> but that year one was so magical and there were so many intangibles that it's so hard to, and as you said, it is a big deal that it's Vegas Borden. It's not another team. And I will say this. A lot of people in Vegas weren't hockey fans, so they didn't have the ties like, you know, you to Detroit and me to L.A. at the beginning. So they came on fresh. And that's where the Raiders do have a little bit of a more of a problem because a lot of people are tied to their football team for decades. But the Knights came in here. They established, you know, just you're right, something that had never been seen before. And they have captured the hearts of Las Vegas, and we'll see how they can do in the playoffs. And as you know, and as I know, being a former Kings fan, that when they were seated eighth, they won the cup one time. Boy, once the playoffs come, that's where the hot goalie, that's where anything can happen. And you, you reset the season, and you'll see what happens. No, there's absolutely no question, Doug. I've, I've said that on the show before. The NHL is the one sport where because – you've got to put the puck in the net and a hot goaltender can make all the difference. And as you said, really would put, you know, hockey on the map in the West coast. Yes. People say, well, when Wade Gretzky came and joined the Kings that really, you know, opened people's eyes up, but really it was what Jonathan quick did with that LA Kings team where basically they made the playoffs on the last day of the season out of the eight hole and they end up winning the whole thing. He wins the Vesna trophy. That was one of the most magical seasons ever. I was a huge LA Kings fan then obviously not so much now, although this year the Golden Knights have owned the, the L.A., or I should say the California teams, which has been kind of nice. But that really brought uh, hockey to the forefront on the West Coast, those two, those two L.A. Kings Stanley Cups, and now the Vegas Golden Knights. Everyone's out here as a fan. And I talked to a lot of people like, we are getting very spoiled. And I could say we, it's uh, the Las Vegas community is getting very spoiled. And at some point in time, this team can't be successful forever. The two constants in life are time passes and things change. And eventually, this will we will come back down to earth, all of us here in Las Vegas. But hey, while we're up in the clouds, this is magical. And as Doug mentioned, um, you know the Vegas Golden Knights can clinch the Western Division tomorrow night with a victory. They're four points up right now. They have two games left. They play tomorrow against Colorado. They go on the road for their final game against San Jose. But Colorado has three games left and actually also control their own destiny. If Colorado wins three games, even if the Golden Knights win against San Jose on Wednesday night and they lose. Against Against Colorado. Colorado wins three games, and after the Golden Knights game, their next two games are winnable as uh, they play uh, They play two games at home against the Los Angeles Kings. They would win the Western Division, and that would really suck if that happened because the Golden Knights have played so well. Ten victories in a row, something they had never done before, um, and, and I'm hoping they can get the job done. Tomorrow is such a key pivotal game, plus it's also a statement game heading into the postseason as a lot of people feel that it'll be the Golden Knights and the Avalanche in the the Western Division Championship, but I wouldn't count on that because, again, Minnesota is that good, and they've also been a thorn in the backside of the Golden Knights this entire season. But I have not been looking to hockey forward to hockey playoffs, Doug, this much, even the past couple seasons, as much as I am this season, because I really feel this is their best chance to win. The acquisition of Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Alex Petrangelo, Alec Martinez, this team has just geared themselves with veterans and stars that all play together so well. They are as geared up and as, as programmed for the Stanley Cup, I think, in their four years of existence. I agree. And Mark Stone, you're 100%. You hit it right on the head. I mean, that guy, the intangibles, and that's where if you know, you're know you a fan and lucky enough to go see him play, off the puck, that's the great thing about hockey to watch it live. Off the puck, you can see how valuable players really are. And Mark Stone is... You know, that full ice player, as they like to say, both, you know, the puck can be very far away and he is still doing great. Let me say this one other thing, Brian. I've been to Kickers, love it down there. Great place. And we'll see if I'm a superstar here because I'm going to attempt to get your guest here on the phone here. And it's been a while since I've worked the phones here. So give me a minute here and uh, great talking to you, Brian. And hopefully you'll be talking to Jim Gemma here in a few minutes. 
Appreciate you, Doug. Of course, Doug Douglas, uh, been with Lotus forever. Uh, every time they're in between program directors, Doug takes the job over. Everyone there wishes he would just take it permanently, but he's got so many hats that he wears and things he enjoys doing. He doesn't always get to uh, get to do them because of the responsibilities of being the sports program director with Lotus Broadcasting and the three sports stations they do have there. But Spencer, in closing up on the Golden Knights and and talking about this, um. You know, this team, and, and he mentioned Mark Stone. Mark Stone, what he was saying is the best two-way player, in my opinion, in the National Hockey League. Yes, you have Connor McDavid. Yes, you have Austin Matthews. Yes, you still have um, Alex Ovechkin, who is still playing great. Sidney Crosby still decent. But as far as two-way players, Mark Stone is good on every aspect. On When he's playing shorthanded, he's playing the point on shorthanded. He goes back and plays defense. He's an amazing player and, and probably one of the most unsung players in the National Hockey League where if this year if the Golden Knights get over that hump and win this Stanley Cup, everybody's going to be talking about Mark Stone. And I've already said, I've got a Marc-Andre Fleury jersey. I, um, I've got a uh, William Carlson jersey. I don't have a red jersey yet. I'm getting a red Mark Stone jersey with the C. The best acquisition this team has made, and if they win the Stanley Cup or they make a deep run through the playoffs, as important as goaltending is going to be on the back end, Mark Stone is that important on the front end for this team. And getting goals, setting up goals, I don't think there is a more important player besides your goaltender than Mark Stone on this team. Yeah, actually, as I was watching the game last night, unfair would be to play against the Golden Knights when you have Mark Stone and Perchangelo. The way those guys are just out of people's uh, ways, and they just get it for possessions for the. Well, I want to get Jim on here as soon as Doug gets. He's ready. He's ready. He, uh, Jim's on. Okay, we'll come back. I do want to talk about uh, Canelo. In time, it is something we should discuss. As I said, I'm not nearly enamored with. Uh, professional boxing as I, I've been throughout my whole life as I am right now. Although pound for pound, Canelo Alvarez is one of the best fighters probably in existence right now in today's world. So it, it, is, it is noteworthy. But something I really want to talk about is really cool. A couple of years ago, out here in Vegas, the most amazing minor league stadium was constructed. We got to watch it from the ground up. It was amazing the speed and the efficiency they built the stadium with. And then when it was finished, it was a miniature version of as nice of a major league stadium as you're going to see. You've got the pool in the outfield. That the, the scoreboard is as beautiful as it comes. Everything is amazing about this. And then there's a pandemic. And after year one, there is no year two. And um, our guy, Jim Gemma, the media relations director for the Aviators, prior to that with the 51s, been around involved in this ball club for so long, is going to join us right now on the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line. And, uh, Jimmy, it's got to be nice to be getting back to work finally. Yeah, yeah Brian, Brian, first, thanks, thanks for having me on. on. I, think, I think, you know, you know minor league baseball, even like the major league sports, the 120 teams in minor league baseball, they employ a lot of people. There, there's a lot of arteries to this part-time jobs, uh, seasonal jobs. But the best part is uh, the players are back on the field. They lost a year. A lot of these guys lost a year out of their prime of their career. Probably pales in comparison to what other things people went through. But on the scope of uh, sports, uh, it is great to have minor league baseball back on the field and have these guys playing. There's no doubt. It was so much fun. You couldn't have asked for a more perfect night than Thursday night to have your guys opener for the season. And uh, then there was a great story, a backstory with the Sacramento Rivercats. Drew Robinson, a person who um, attempted suicide just a year ago back, lost an eye and was out playing right field, his mother at the game. What a tremendous feel-good story. And, uh, and what a way to bring baseball back to Las Vegas. Yeah, he was uh, working out over the winter. Of course, uh, Chris Bryant's always out here over the winter months. Uh, Dexter Fowler. We have so many minor league players. So he was actually out here working out when we had our little uh, media get-together in February. So uh, he got his first hit of the season last night. He made good contact, made a diving catch in left field. So it's really good to see. And uh, obviously, we wish him all the best. There's so many uh, players in the minor league system from uh, the state of Nevada now. And, uh, yeah, we're going to play our first day game today, uh, first time in – 20 months in one day, probably. I think that's what it was. So uh, we're just glad to be back. We're home through Tuesday. And then, uh, like this year, every uh, we have six-game series. Uh, basically, a team's here for a week. And then we have off days on Wednesday. And the team will go up to Reno uh, starting uh, next Thursday to start a, a road trip up there. 
Yeah, I mean, minor league season is really packed in as it is, but kind of wild now. It's going to be six days on, one day off, and that's pretty consistent looking at the schedule um, for them. I mean, six games against the same team, but instead of where it would be a home-and-home home series where they travel, it's six games all at the same place, and obviously they're doing that based on the situation the world is in right now. Jimmy, how has it been managing – this year, this season, knowing you've got to have limited capacity to a degree at the Las Vegas ballpark, has it made things a little more difficult for you? Well, the first two home stands, this one through Tuesday, then we go to Reno. And we're home, uh, the, our only other uh, home series here in May is May 20 through 25th for Salt Lake. Then we go on a long trip. So, uh, make a long story short, we come, come back till June 10th. So, as you know, that June 1st date or in around there, everything could change. So, Hopefully we're not going to be at uh, 50% uh, too much longer. Uh, you know, obviously the Atlanta Braves that don't put up 100%. Uh, you know, if uh, T-Mobile can get seven or 8,000 people in an indoor venue and we're outside, that bodes well for us in June. So hopefully we're not going to be in the uh, 50% capacity uh, very much longer. No, and, and I think we're, we're seeing that. I mean, we saw about, what, 70-some-odd thousand people at a stadium in Texas last night. I was kind of shocked about that, but that's a different story that we'll talk about in a little bit. The goal, the, excuse me, the, um, the Aviators this year, Jim, they started off first game of the season, didn't a uh, little bit cold at the plate, had two high-scoring affairs since then, and here in their first win, they win it in dramatic fashion in 10 innings. What can people expect from this year's uh, Aviators team? And again, we know guys go up and down, guys come down to rehab, but from what you're seeing initially, what do you think people should expect? Yeah, there's a lot of, um, I would say, I don't know, 30 40% of this team played in Midland in 2019, which is a double-A affiliate of the A's. So I think these guys are just getting acclimated to playing again um, to real competition, that being real competition. Some of these guys were at the alternate site last year in that 60-game sprint season. So I think they're just trying to get, lack of a better word, their sea legs back. And it's got to be feel great to play against teams and games that count, statistics that count. Uh, So that that all bodes well. It always is uh, helpful. I don't want to say helpful, but it's always good when the, the parent club is playing well and the A's are incredible. Billy Bean and David Force, the GM, they just lose pieces and they just plug in new pieces and they keep winning. So uh, that, that's just a, a great organization, the A's. And I just hope they get that new ballpark there in the next two or three years. It's, it's going in that direction. Uh, and that only helps all of us uh, if when we're their AAA affiliate. No, I agree 100%. And, you know, Billy Bean, obviously, they made money ball about the guy. And uh, as good of a general manager, has turned down big money to stay with the A's. He loves that challenge of putting a team together on lesser of a budget than some of the other teams. And what a cool... what a cool deal to get the A's here as the AAA affiliate um, for you know for the Oakland A's. But Jimmy, going forward, one of the things that has been that Las Vegas has been great for you. You had it down at Cashman Field when uh, they played there. Is the promotions, the different things you do uh, for the Las Vegas community that come out and check out the, uh, the Las Vegas ballpark? Limited capacity now. Hopefully in June. They'll get up to full capacity. But what things can we look forward to as fans to see at the Las Vegas ballpark this year? Well, we had a good fireworks show uh, the other night. Uh, it was a uh, good uh, risk brief show because of the wind. Uh, the wind uh, cooperated, so we had a good show. So we're definitely having fireworks going forward. We're hoping to reinstall, uh, lack of a better word, the $2 Thursday night beer. And uh, we do have promotions in store, uh, some Jersey nights and uh, other goodies on the list just waiting as you said the capacity percentage go up more because we want to do the first 2500 fans through the gate so hopefully that'll all uh, come together this summer uh it's crazy we're saying this summer because it's next month is summer so it's actually a good thing uh because next month uh, that means this year's halfway over already and we're already past that nightmare of 2020 so uh things are the light is at the end of the tunnel brian for sure Social media, we're getting a few questions, Jimmy, and they're all evolving around tickets. How do people get tickets? And, uh, you know, being that we don't know what's going to happen after June 1st, although we're kind of surmising that, you know, once they come back in June and they have that long hiatus away from Las Vegas, there'll be more tickets bail. That's best way for people to get involved and get out to see the um, the, the Aviators play. Yeah, uh, obviously the first two home stands, the next one made 20th to 25th, uh, very limited individual game tickets. 
first and foremost, uh, the Aviators organization had to accommodate the season ticket holders. They're a great base. A lot of them um, credited their tickets to this year, and they've been really loyal. So uh, the greater majority of the tickets for the first two homestands, for obvious reasons, are going to the season ticket holders. And like we said, once the capacity can go up, I don't know, 70% or more than it is now, that's when the individual game tickets and everything else kind of starts rolling in and uh, ticket availability would be much easier to get. That's why, like we said, after that May 25th game, we're not home till June 10th. So uh, during that time, I know we'll be sending stuff out or ticketing folks about the individual game tickets. It will just free up more opportunities to get tickets throughout the ballpark. So, so I would, would, uh, my best suggestion is to uh, just stay tuned and uh, check on aviatorslv.com or ticketmaster.com. Joined by Jim Gemma, Media Relations Director for the Las Vegas Aviators today. Jimmy, we appreciate one other question. Drew from Summerlin just asked about booking the pool area for an Aviators game. How does somebody go about doing that? Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Um, hopefully we'll get back up to the max of 50. Right now it's limited in there, but 943-7200, uh, uh, People have been in the pool the last two nights, so definitely call that number, and uh, I know that'll book up quick uh, once it gets really hot but that's the best way to go with that there you go jimmy we appreciate you as always we'll see you out at the las vegas ballpark first afternoon game today at 1205 going to be cool and if you haven't gotten out there as soon as you do get the opportunity it is an amazing facility and not that cashman at the end cashman they did a great job taking care of the field but it's a whole new experience you're talking about a miniature major league ballpark in summerlin here in las vegas in las vegas pretty incredible jimmy as always thanks for joining the show my friend Brian, Brian, thanks, thanks for having me on. It was good seeing you up at the press box on uh, opening night, and I'll see you soon. Absolutely. Jim Gemma, again, Media Relations Director for um, the Las Vegas Aviators. They do such a great job over there, and it is cool. I mean, even as a kid growing up, when, and again, I'm dating myself, but I loved the Oakland A's when I was a kid. They never affected the Tigers. They were in the, they were in the West, so you know, the only time we would ever see them would be in the postseason, which in 1972, God, I remember that game we did, and that was back when Charles Stinley owed the team. All of them had handlebar mustaches. They were one of the most character teams in the history of baseball, in my opinion, and they had the these great names you had Vita Blue, Riley Blue Moon Odom, Catfish Hunter. I mean, you know, Raleigh Fingers, they, they, just just Gene Tennis. I miss that team tremendously, and uh, it's so cool to be a part of them. And as you mentioned, Billy Bean, I got an opportunity, as you know, Spencer, to interview Billy Bean when they, you know, before the stadium even opened, they brought down the, the um, Oakland A's brass. And couldn't have been a nicer guy. And I remember talking to him like, you know, how cool is it that they made a movie about you, you know? And he's like, oh, it was so cool. I'm like, you know, no, that's not what was cool. What's cool is Brad Pitt played you. I mean, if they tell you they're making a movie about you and Brad Pitt is going to star as you in the movie, they're basically saying you're a stud. So, I mean, and he smiled. He said he got to spend a week with uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And what a good guy. What a good ordeal. And Jimmy Gemma, talk about a good guy, a great guy that does such a great job accommodating everybody in the media in a town where, um, and I, I'm not going to mention any franchise, but people tend to be a bit um, sports media condescending. I don't know how to phrase that. Jim Gemma has never been that way. It's always accommodating. He's always looking to accommodate, take care of people, and he runs himself ragged doing it. One of the best in the business, and people should go to him to take lessons on how to be a media relations director for a team because he really does it right. He talks to all the people. He responds to every email that you send out, and um, I love the guy, and I think most of us involved in the media here in Las Vegas, uh, Jim Gemma is a big part of that. And, uh, most of us know him, and most of us have a great deal of respect for him. He does a great job but um yeah really good story with drew robinson the other night the night i saw him it was kind of a bummer um you weren't there spencer but we uh i mean he struck out four times and the last time he was frustrated flipped the bat in the air i'm glad that he got his first hit last night like as you said mother's day for his parents to be in town and see this 29 year old outfielder after nearly taking his life last year missing an eye to do this it is pretty incredible and um you know, and, and hats off to him. But Spencer, let's run fact this because something we need to talk about here before we get to the, and, and, and we will, well, actually, you know, before you run fact this, just real quickly regarding, regarding the fight um, last night, what amazed me about that fight last night was the crowd in Texas and, and how they, um, I mean, Spencer, how do you let so many people in a building? We're still in a pandemic. And granted, last night over Saunders, uh, you know, 
Canelo Alvarez, he, he, he got, now he's got the WBO belt. He's got all the belts for the super middleweight class. It's really cool. He's a super undisputed super middleweight champion, WBA, WBC, but over 73,000 people they let into AT&T stadium in Arlington to watch a boxing match. Is that a little disturbing to you? Uh, it's, this is a, this is a multifaceted issue. I think it's a fallacy to think that it's one way or the other. On some level, look, it's scary, right? The pandemic has claimed a lot of people's lives. But on another, you know, side, people see some sort of the vaccine, right? Like, so I've gotten the vaccine. My parents are getting the vaccine soon. And since people have gotten the vaccine, nothing has changed, right, for the majority of Americans. And that can be very frustrating. So when you see something like this, you see scary and that we are going in the right direction. I think uh, it also adds a bit of normalcy. I mean, mental health has obviously been a big, huge issue throughout this. And when people see life going back to normal, that may be a huge encouragement for them. Look, you hope everybody was safe. You hope everybody there had the vaccine to help, you know, not COVID-19. I don't know. But it was, I got to tell you, when, when I saw the news, my first thought was, this is horrifying. It's, wow, like, this is probably the first major sport event that I've seen that felt like a major sporting event, not this kind of like quarantined box of a whatever you want to call it. You could say for NHL football and basketball, they've always all had these sporadic and I felt human spirit as Alvarez in the eighth round put his hands up in the air to get the crowd pumped, saying like, "Here we are. We're here in the moment, and it's exciting, and we all love it." That that is the good part about it. Well, Alvarez in the fight, and Saunders could not answer the bell in the going into the eighth round. He couldn't see out of his eye. But, you know, Spencer, I'm not going to disagree with you that maybe it brought back some normalcy, and we saw that there. But, you know, really, just a little bit before, a week before, we got some, we had some issues with the, the you know, the UFC down in Florida. And Dana White having, uh, uh, that was printed out in the review journal, a disclaimer basically saying, you know, I accept the fact that I might get COVID and letting everyone in. You see people in there without masks at the, at the UFC fight. And my biggest issue with that is a writer for the review journal that does some work at Lotus, um, wrote wrote an article about it and talked about it and actually printed the disclaimer. That's how I initially saw it. And I thought Dana White was a complete ass what he did afterwards to call him out and basically threaten to not give him credentials because he was doing his job. And he was saying, hey, you know, 15,000 people didn't care about getting COVID. That was the truth. I mean, they're signing a waiver saying, hey, we don't care. I just thought it was really pompous and crappy when the Review Journal and everyone else has backed up Dana White in the UFC here in Vegas and to threaten and complain about it. Shame on you. And I've, I've been, you know, I've been shaming on this guy forever. He'll never come on my show. And I don't pl- I don't give a crap. I mean, the bottom line is you don't pay your fighters. You, you know, we worry about the NFL and CTE. They're wearing protective headgear to prevent against brain injuries and concussions. They're going to happen because the NFL is a brutally violent sport with big giant men hitting each other, but they do a ton of things to protect them. I've been saying for ages, what is more catastrophic? Two guys colliding wearing protective headgear that is made to protect your brain and your cranium and and prevent things like CTE or a shin bone directly to the head because that is completely allowed in the UFC. And, you know, I don't have a problem with it. I'm somewhat hypocritical being the fact that I do go to the paper vets, review vets. I do watch it and I do get some enjoyment out of it. But I told my son years ago, you want to be a UFC fighter? Here's what it's like. We're going to go out in the garage. I'm going to kick the crap out of you, throw 20 bucks on you and have a couple girls applaud. That's what it's like being a UFC fighter until Dana White takes his billions of dollars and starts paying these guys properly. It's not like fighters in boxing where they fight once a year, maybe twice a year at the most. These guys fight four and five times a year. And wait till these guys are walking around the streets punch drunk without a proper plan in place, without the proper insurance. This guy is ripping them off. They make a ton of money on pay-per-view, and I can go off on this forever. But, you know, you want to rip on a writer here who's simply doing his job, Dana White? That's ridiculous. It's retarded, man. Get your S together and realize you, Las Vegas backs you up. This community is backed up and supported the UFC like no other. You know, you want to put a disclaimer and be an idiot and say, okay, 15,000 people. Like I said, we can all have our own opinions on COVID, whatever it is. 
Several people has died from it. Call it a super flu. Call it whatever you want. Right now, we are still in somewhat of a protocol. And when you do something foolish, what I consider foolish like that, you should be called out about it. And this writer simply did his job, and I thought it was very unfair. And I want to make that point very clear because, you know what, not that I'll boycott the UFC, but you know what? Eventually, I hope this guy starts paying his fighters and looking at the long-term effects of what this sport is going to do to the individuals that participate in it because that hasn't been taken into account. How is it not regulated? They need a union badly to get this thing corrected because these guys are going to be walking around punch drunk. You think we've got a problem with CTE right now in the National Football League and former players? Wait 20 years and see what's going on in the UFC. It is the biggest crime in the United States, and it is – almost untouched because Dana White and his billions of dollars, a guy that used to basically be a crony for Floyd Mayweather, walk around and carry his bags. And I'm sorry, people are going to get mad at me for saying all this. But you know what? Don't rip on people here for doing their job, Dana White, while you're sitting fat and happy and you've got a ton of fighters out there who are going to be punch drunk and have CT in the future. All right, I'm enough of that. The show's called out of line for a reason, people. Spencer, go ahead and hit fact this because it is something that we should get to as well. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Uh, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. This is something I still don't believe is going to happen as the Packers will not get proper compensation. And if Aaron Rodgers chooses to sit out over this and whine like an unwanted redheaded stepchild, he would owe the Packers a lot of money in incentives he's already been paid. So that's not really an option. But, but I want to talk about whether Aaron Rodgers is justified in wanting to leave. Because I'll tell you something. Here's something that, that I know from a very reliable source. Andy Dalton was informed that the Bears were going to draft Justin Fields. Andy Dalton, he should have been forced to go to the airport and pick Justin Fields up. Andy Dalton, you're going to let him know you don't owe him crap. But Aaron Rodgers was not informed that not only were the Packers going to draft Jordan Love last year, but they were going to move up in the draft to draft Jordan Love. I can understand why that bruised him a little bit when arguably he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the National Football League still getting into his late 30s, had an unbelievable run last year again with the Packers, an undermanned football team that got to the brink of the Super Bowl. So is he justified in saying I want out of Green Bay, Spence? Well, I mean, the reality of the situation is they have done nothing for him, at least in the first round of the draft. If you're going to trade up, I mean, he probably would have preferred for them to get Justin Jefferson. Imagine how well, good the Green Bay Packers would be with someone who made an all-pro in their rookie season. Instead, they get a backup quarterback, and now he's like the only uh, – there's only two quarterbacks on the roster, and they're probably going to be picking up some more soon. But, yes, he is. Uh, I, I don't think this is just about them drafting Jordan Love. I think it's about his entire tenure. You have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, undoubtedly. He's probably in everybody's top five lists. You could probably go to me is at least one Super Bowl out of him. They've given him a really bad coach for a long time. We've seen McCarthy now that he's in Dallas. They stuck with him forever. They've always had these good regular seasons, but nothing to get it done in the postseason. Now, does some of that fall on Aaron Rodgers? Yes, I think he's two or one in four in conference championship games to go to the Super Bowls. But also, you got to think this is a team sport, right? A quarterback can't take you all the way there. I mean, he is carried them undoubtedly for so long. I think he's just really frustrated. And he knows, look, he's only got probably like four years left of good football playing career. He doesn't take to be as good as Tom Brady for – you can't put that on Aaron Rodgers. So I would say until he's about 41 years old, you're probably going to expect some really high-level football from him. And he wants these last years of his career to be something that he can go out on. He probably wants at least one more Super Bowl. And if he doesn't – championship last year but they didn't do anything this offseason offseason make me believe that they're going to get better than the tampa bay buccaneers who brought back all of their starters this offseason somehow because tom brady again just has that kind of influence so i don't think green bay has done enough but i think uh aaron Rodgers recognized that when they had their 2021 draft 
you know, Spencer, they, they actually did go out in free agency, get a few players. They got a wide receiver that should be pretty good this year. They're trying to build around it, but again, they lost in the NFC Championship game. This is arguably the second or third best team in the NFC. Yeah, it might be tough to get past the Bucks, who did something no one's ever done, and that's keep all 22 starters intact, which is an amazing feat Bruce Arians helped pull off over there. I've loved him as a head coach anyways, and this team is is almost a juggernaut, this Bucks team, if, if Tom Brady's got one more year left in him, which I think he does. But the Packers are still a playoff team and probably the best team in the NFC North. So they're they're looking at another postseason run. Where is he going to go? Denver? Denver's going to all of a sudden become a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers? No. Where is he going to go that that he that that needs a quarterback that can immediately become put themselves in Super Bowl contention? The teams that are Super Bowl contenders are Super Bowl contenders because they've already got a quarterback in place. So really, he's in the best situation in Green Bay. I understand he got to feel like Brett Favre felt when they brought him in. So he got he got a little bit of you know I don't want to call it cosmic karma, but Aaron play in Green Bay. I mean I don't mind seeing you bounce as long as you bounce out of the NFC North. God, then Justin Fields can end up being the best quarterback in the division, and that's a whole other story. As you know, my feeling, uh, my franchise guy J- Jared Goff. Okay, that's that's a whole other show. We're doing a podcast on soon, and the Detroit Lions and aptitude, but that's for a different time. As we run out of time, Spencer, we're running down. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, will be a Green Bay Packer this year. They'll find a way to work it out. He's calling. He wants the gen- general manager fired, and you know, make him happy. He is a little bit of a prima donna. We've known that for years. He had issues with his own family over disputes that I don't know enough about to talk about without just giving opinions, but. But, you know, he'll end up being a Green Bay Packer, and I still think the Packers, at least this next year, will end up being the class of the NFC North for whatever it's worth. But um, he is one of the best the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, and the Packers will find a way to make him happy. Monetarily, it doesn't make sense for him to leave Green Bay. It just doesn't. If you look at, if you look at the hits that they take and the hits that he could potentially take, it just doesn't make sense. He'll be a Green Bay Packer. So Packer fans, don't worry. Denver fans, quit getting excited. And odds makers, bring the win total under nine for the Denver Broncos without Aaron Rodgers coming, which he's not going to. They're going to win seven games at best this year. So look at that. Spencer, I want to end talking about the NBA playoffs. We'll talk way more about the National Hockey League playoffs next next week. Um, we talked enough about the Golden Knights a little bit earlier, but uh, the basketball playoffs are really unique this year. You know, you had LeBron out for all those teams. The Lakers haven't really been healthy, and they're trying to avoid right now. They're, I think, a game and a half behind Portland for that sixth spot in the West, and will have to play amongst four teams to get into the playoff seedings, because now they're letting ten teams in each conference get in, but you got four teams vying for the final two spots. The Lakers right now on the outside looking in, in the, um, in the, in the West, but um, l- let me ask you something. With the Lakers, and if everyone comes back and you get, you know, you, you got everyone healthy, which you should have in the postseason, are they a good enough team to make a run again? I mean, can LeBron James pull this out? Oh, well, the thing is, is they're going to have to get through the play-in game first. LeBron James is not going to get back until maybe a couple of days from now. And Anthony Davis, I don't know what it is. It all seems like when he got that kind of what he yeah, for sure. I'm not saying he's a bad basketball player anymore, but I never thought for one second that basketball was Anthony Davis's number one priority. So if you're in a situation where they probably have to play the Warriors in the first game, and if they don't have a fully healthy Lakers team, Steph Curry is on a crazy run. He had 11 threes last night, scored like 43 points. So you lose that game, and then you got to play the winner of the Spurs and Grizzlies because it seems like that's going to be the second matchup. Now, that's a little easier, but two games to get into the playoffs he's probably going to be a little tired you also have to expect it like they may not stay healthy throughout the entire playoffs i'm not hugely confident in the lakers right now i don't like their attitude either lebron james i love him on the court but off the court he is a total clown talking about how he doesn't like the playing game now that they're in it so i don't think their heads in the right i do not believe the lakers are going to be making a deep run in this uh, year's postseason I'm 100% sure. I'm not sold that they won't if LeBron comes back again, which he should in a couple days, and be healthy enough as they wind down the NBA season. Uh, you know, the, the, all teams have about four to five games left to go in the season, so we're going to see what happens. Lakers could still slide in, although Portland's pretty determined. Damian Lillard's completely out of his mind, too. But 
when you go to the top of the West, which you still think is the better division, I think we all do, we all agree is the better conference in basketball, are the Utah Jazz really the best team in the NBA? Because the record says that they are. They're one of only two teams that hasn't lost 20 games yet. Of course, the other team is also in the West right underneath them, the Phoenix Suns. Two surprise teams that have uh, that, that both are right there at the top of the West. No, for sure. And, uh, yeah, because I had to get my closing thoughts really quickly here. It's hard to say because I think the West is a dumpster fire this year of just middling talent because of injuries. You can read more about my opinions on the NBA, by the way, on our website, AdelineFoxSportsLV.com. You'll see more in numbers. I still like, you know, like a team like I neck out of the five hole. I love the Mads because they got my favorite player on the team. Luka Doncic is just absolutely spectacular. A guy that can play two ways, getting getting better on defense all the time. But offensively, he's one of the most magical players in the league. And I don't know if there's many more on the Western Conference, more fun to players. And then you look over at the East and our the Philadelphia 76ers, the best team in the East. And we'll close. we got about a minute left to go, so tell me your thoughts on that. Uh, I'm not a believer in the 76ers. I just uh, I, I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to walk through the finals, and I think they're going to win it as long as they can stay healthy. If one of them is missing, they won't, but if they do, no one's going to stop them. Keep bucks, huh? I, I would love to see that end up being a series, but more than likely that'll be a semifinal series. And I think the Bucks, the Bucks and the Nets will be an amazing series if you can see those two teams play um, because I don't think the 76ers are going to get caught. They're going to end up with the number one seed, and that'll avoid having to play the Bucks and Nets till the conference finals. And I think the 76ers will make the conference finals, Spencer. But I agree with you. I think either the Bucks or the Nets are very capable of beating. I think when you start going down to the Knicks, the Hawks, and the Heat, you're not going to have a run like you did with the Miami Heat last year. I don't think there's a team capable that I see of making that type of run other than maybe the Lakers in the Western Conference could go from a play-in game, a play-in series to the NBA title if Anthony Davis and LeBron James are both at their peak. Those guys are still an amazing dynamic duo and as good as it gets. Listen, we're out of time. I want to thank Doug Douglas back in the studio for helping us out today. Man, we had the man. I want to thank Jim Gemma, um, the media relations director for the Las Vegas Aviators, Spencer for sitting in with me today, and of course Dylan Reese and Jennifer Metzger for letting us do our show down here at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard. Come on down great place to see all the Vegas Golden Knights game. They'll be on again tomorrow night. $2 shots during the game. Free shots every time they score a goal. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line here every Sunday, 8 to 9 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. See ya.